Hey, Bubba. Hello. What you doing? Terrible. I said, what you doing? Not how you doing, crazy. I'm sitting here. Me too. With my mother. Well, I'm sorry. I'm poor company. Nah, not really. We just got done watching anime. I know. Yeah. Man, we were watching, what was it, The Seven Deadly Sins? Mm-hmm. What was that, season two? Which headphone is mine? Yours is two. Meliota's a little gropey there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, rapey gropey. I'm like, I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> anyway, you know what we're going to be talking about? What are we talking about, Mom? We are going to be talking about ailments back in the day that apparently people thought were a good idea. You know uh, how this was brought about? How? I saw on uh, Facebook, Good Morning America, that in India, people are putting cow dung and urine all over their body to cure COVID, or at least to combat it. Mm-hmm. True story. Oh. Yeah. Why? I just said because they believe that it will cure them or the COVID will not inflict upon them if Who's, they put cow dung and urine all over themselves. Who's the prankster that came up with that one? I don't know. But, yeah, that's what they're doing. Desperate times call for desperate measures. I, I sent you the video. Oh, is that Facebook one? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's showing as Facebook login, so I was just like, well, I'm probably going to have to log back into Facebook. You're logged out? I don't know. It's not. Why does he always eat as soon as I start recording? Look at that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just your your torso. What's yeah, up with that? In my hand. I don't know. He, uh, he was like, I'm not going to take a picture of your face. I'm just a suit. I was like, oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. Wait to tell your son you're fucking ugly. <laughs> I would have taken the whole body, Baba, and I would have been, you know what? Cha-cha. I think he just knows I don't like my face being in pictures too much. Really? Yeah. Has he not seen your Instagram lately? Because your face is all over the motherfucking place. It's because I use filters. Doesn't matter. Actually, no, there was a couple of them where I what is it? What are you so insecure about? I don't know. This one doesn't have a filter. Dude, my face is not in... I'm not insecure about my face. It's no, just everything else. Nor that, <gasps> one. Nor that one. My bolt. Uh, nor that one. <laughs> okay. I don't know. Yeah, you're not insecure. Actually, it's probably... It's probably, uh, what was it? What else? When I didn't take, mm-hmm. remember when I used to not take selfies and stuff like that? Like three years ago? Yeah. So he stuck three years ago? <laughs> he doesn't know you at all and you're living with him. Hey, we're never at home. Whose problem is that? I don't know. I'm always Whatever. here for you people. I'm rotting in this cesspool I call a house. Just so that way I can be there for you people. Anyways, what are we talking about again? But you know. I guess I get no brownie points for that, huh? You get many brownie points for that, Ma. That's a lie. That's such a terrible lie. <laughs> Aww. My co-host died. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to be talking about weird ailments people thought were beautiful back in the day. We're going to start off with heroin cough suppressant. Damn, my S's <laughs> are like shot. What? Yeah. It's heroin cough syrup was developed by Bayer Laboratories in 1898. Man, Bayer's back in the day, man. I'm, I'm not a Bayer girl. I'd take a leave. Well, they can they discontinued making heroin in 1910. <laughs> wow, I wonder why. They wanted to make sure it would stick, okay. When the additive properties of the drug were determined to be higher than originally thought, the U.S. outlawed the production of heroin several years later in 1924. <laughs> They wanted to make sure that it wasn't just the heroin. It's like, you know what? 
Let's try it for at least a couple of decades to see where we go. And we'll just yeah, go from there. Just, yeah. yeah. And then we got yeah. Mercury. Being as mad as the, the stuff hatter. stuff of legends. And then 1500s, Mercury was used in the treatment of syphilis. Wow. My S's are so strong right now. <sighs> Did you know that Mercury, uh, I think it was used to make uh, to make hats back in the day? <laughs> And that's, right. where, and that's where the term mad, uh, mad, mad hatter, hatter came from because <laughs> they were as mad as a hatter oh my god so john hunter was a doctor who claimed to have cured himself of syphilis using mercury wow he's crazy mm -hmm. syphilis actually occurs in three phases with remission periods in between that can cause that can last between two or three years these remissions phases are probably what laid hunter to believe he was cured he later died of a heart attack during an argument. <laughs> yeah, go, Hunter. Yeah. <laughs> we got tobacco, wacky tobacco. Oh, man, I've heard about this one. In the 15th century, the use of tobacco was first observed in the indigenous people in the New World. It was used for smoking pleasure as well as everything from disinfecting, relieving colds, headaches, warding off diseases and fatigue, and even as an aesthetic. Huh. When the plant was brought back to Europe, it was used to treat a wide range of conditions and was thought of a, as a, eh? P-A-N-A-C-E-A. P-A-N-A-C-E-A. Pancha? <laughs> Pancreas? <laughs> mm. uh, uh, the herb became known as the holy herb and God's remedy. Tobacco enemas were used between the 17th to the early 19th century. Wow. Do you know what an enema is? No. It's when you shoot it up your ass. Really? That's what an enema is. They used to put tobacco up their asses? Mm-hmm. Wow. I used to put little enemas up your ass when you were when you were constipated when you were little. Yeah, sure. Uh-huh. <laughs> is that a true story? That is a true story. The hell? Uh, anyway. In India, there was a, a widespread belief that tobacco was good for teeth resulting in tobacco toothpaste. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> I'm reading this right off of the Business no, Insider. I'm talking about oh. them. <laughs> um, it was pretty recently that the Indian Supreme Court upheld in a 1992 ban imposed by the Union government to ban tobacco and toothpaste. Wow. In 1992. That late? <laughs> yeah. Wow. That late. And then we got lobotomy. Oh, perfection. Lobotomy. What's that again? Lobotomy is when uh, this little part, this purple part that you see right here in the frontal lobe, mm -hmm. they yank that little chunky piece out Ew. or they distort it. And then mm. you become nice and calm and serene and pliable for your husband. Wow. Yeah. The lobotomy was first performed on humans in the 1890s. The procedure was thought to be a cure for mental illness. During its popularity between the 1940s and 50s, it was performed on about 40,000 people in the United States. Neurologist Walter Freeman developed a quick method called a transorbitable trans <laughs> lobotomy or ice pick lobotomy. A patient would be made unconscious by electric shock, electroshock, sorry, then in an then an instrument which resembled an ice pick was inserted above the eyeball and through the orbit. When the brain was reached, the pick would be moved back and forth to destroy the neutral pathways. Neural, sorry, neural pathways. This process was repeated on the other side. Wow. 
it made them calm, but it was destroying pieces of them that weren't, <laughs> that were very vital and necessary. It was a very barbaric thing to do. Yeah. Shutter Island, I believe, is really heavily based on that. Uh, well, in the end. Have you seen that one? No. <gasps> I hope I didn't. I probably ruined it for you. I don't know. Let's review Shutter Island. Okay. Lovely. Oh, uh, uh, I don't know. I forgot why, but uh, I think early man, they used to poke holes in like the skull. Mm. I think it was to like, I think it was to cure something. I don't know. But there was like, poke but, holes? Yeah. There was like a lot of like, it's like really big holes, I guess. Ugh. And uh, a lot of early man's skulls were found with just holes Colder. in them. Yeah. Oh my God. Probably to relieve maybe brain swelling. Probably. They do that now. Oh. If the brain is swelling too much, they will take a patch of your skull off just so that way the brain can come out a little bit and relieve a little bit of that tension. Uh. Anyway, but a next? bunch of holes. <laughs> uh, LSD therapy. Wow. Yeah, this one's a trippy. During the 1950s and the early 60s, studies in LSD stated it used uh, could cure alcoholism, criminal behavior, and schizophrenia. While most people may no longer see LSD as something healthy, Norwegian researchers want to continue the LSD studies to treat alcoholism, and scientists believe it can improve treatments for schizophrenia. LSD is when you take it, it could be a flip of the switch for you. It could be nice and docile, or you can see fucking nightmares for the rest of your life, even when you're off of LSD. Is that one where uh, you put it on your tongue, and it's just, it's uh, there it is? I don't know how you take it. I think it's a pill form. Uh I want to say, I, I could be, or maybe it could be liquid. I have no, I'm not a druggy person. You need to ask yeah. your dad. Because he's a cop. He knows. Yeah, you. I know. <laughs> okay. You look to me like. <laughs> yeah, but he could tell. But yeah, that's, that's what they used to do with that. Tapeworms. They still use this sometimes today. Wow. Ads like the ones that, oh, okay. So the ad says, fat, 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 and always stay thin. Uh, no, no, wait. It says, eat, eat, eat. <laughs> And always stay thin. Fat, the enemy that is shortening lives banished. Housed with a sanitized sanitize tapeworm. Wow. They sanitize that motherfucker, but they shove it in you, I guess. So as like this, one suggests that sometimes, sometime in the 50s, people started infecting themselves with tapeworms in order to lose weight. So what would happen was the tapeworms would be in your belly. And when you would eat, the tapeworm would eat your food. The problem was is that it lays eggs and it continues and it, it lays an amount of eggs. Mm. So it's going to eat you whole. <laughs> anyway, so the idea was that the tapeworms are a parasite and it feeds off the food that you eat. This means that your calories would be split between you and the tapeworm. The problem is, is that having tapeworms can result in abdominal uh, weak, uh, pain, weakness, headaches, nausea, diarrhea, constipation, bloating, and vitamin deficiencies. Not to mention you'll probably be shitting out tapeworms. So, you know. Also, sometimes tapeworms do not remain in your stomach. They move. Oh, <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself. <clears throat> not, they don't remain in your stomach. They move through the parts of your body, including the brain, which can have deadly results. I did not know about that. There is no certain proof that this is real, but there's no proof that it's not. Cocaine. Cocaine. What a hell of a drug. Yeah, no cocaine. <laughs> Notorious for being included in the soft drink Coca-Cola. Cocaine was included in all sorts of different medicines and drugs. Its euphoric, energizing, and pain-relieving effects made it a perfect addiction to your healthy lifestyle when you were lacking a little bit of pet. Wow. Yep. This is from CNN. Long before drug cartels, crack wars, and TV shows about addiction, cocaine was promoted as a wonder drug. 
sold as a cure-all and praised by some of the greatest minds in medical history, including Sigmund Freed and the pioneering surgeon William Halstead. Freed even wrote to his wife about the miracle drug. I take very small doses of it regularly against depression and against indigestion and with most brilliant and with the most brilliant of success. Other diseases it could treat include tuberculosis and asthma. Today, we know of it as an incredibly addictive party drug that messes with your brain and chemicals and your heart. Yep. <laughs> no way. Vitamin water? Vitamin water. What? I don't know. This one isn't old, but does defy a little bit of common sense. The Center of Science in the Public Interest field, a lawsuit against Coca-Cola in 2009 for claims of vitamin water being marketed as healthy. The center says that the 33 grams of sugar in each bottle can do more harm by promoting obesity, diabetes, and other health problems than the vitamins do to promote any health benefit. Vitamin water has that much sugar? Yeah. What? They might have changed it. This was in 2009, but yes, they were promoting that it was so healthy, but it had 33 grams of sugar versus the vitamins. It, it can say it has vitamins and it can have probably less than an ounce. That's how a lot of shit that says, oh, you know, it's packed with vitamins, it's packed with nutrients. A lot of times this shit is, is like a little bit of dust on your finger that's placed into the jug and double mark, it was double priced on the market to make you believe that you're actually ingesting good things when actually you're not. It's just fake crap that they're selling you. I don't remember it being that sweet. I don't know. That's why I, that's why I said this was in 2009. They might have changed it. Coke states that the vitamin water is clearly and properly labeled so that the consumers will not be led to thinking this product as a healthy beverage. An article on Live Strong states that the Darius Bic that Darius Bickoff, founder of Vitamin Water, says that the drink is meant to be supplement to vitamins you already consume, not a substitute. So if you're already in ingesting your fruits and your vegetables of what has vitamins and your meats, because your meats have some vitamins as well, then this is supposed to be just an additive. It's not supposed to be something that's going to replace your or your supplemental vitamins as well. Uh, okay. Alrighty, now now we're gonna get to the paper one. I don't remember where I got this one off of, but this one has bloodletting. Wow. Yeah, for thousands of years, medical practitioners clung onto the belief that sickness was merely the result of a little bit of bad blood. Bloodletting probably began with the ancient Sumerians and Egyptians, but it didn't become a common practice until the time of classical Greece and Rome. Influential physicians like uh, Hippocrates, 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 Hippocrates. Hippocrates. Oh, I can't see that. <laughs> Couldn't read it. And Glenn maintained that the human body was filled with four basic substances or humors, yellow bile, black bile, phlegm, and blood. Mm. Mm. Tasty. And these needed to be kept in balance to maintain proper health. With this in mind, patients with a fever or other ailments were often diagnosed with an overabundance of blood. Your body is producing too much. It's too much. Too much. To restore the body bodily harmony, their doctor would simply cut a vein or drain some of their vital fluids into a receptacle. In some cases, leeches were even used to suck the blood directly from the skin. Well, it could easily result in an accidental death. <laughs> Whoops, from blood loss. Phlebotomy endured as a common medical practice well into the 19th century. Medical doctors prescribed blood draining as a treatment for everything from a sore throat to the plague. And some barbers 
listed it as a service along with haircuts and shaves. Mm. Get your shit sucked out while we cut your hair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lovely. The practice finally fell out of vogue after new research showed that it might be doing more harm than good. Well, if you're accidentally dying, I guess so. Yeah, I, I guess it might be doing some harm if you're dying. You never know. It's a probability. Yeah. yeah. But leaching and controlled bloodletting are still used today as treatments for certain rare illnesses. Wow. Ha. Ha. What's that word? Trepanation. Trepanation. Good, because I didn't know that word. Humanity's oldest form of surgery is also one of the most gruesome. As far back as 7,000 years ago, civilizations around the world engaged in trepanation? Yeah, I guess so. Okay. The practice of boring... Oh, this is what you were talking about. Boring uh. holes in the skull as means of curing an illness. Uh. Researchers... You want to read it? Nah. Oh, Okay can only speculate on how or why this grisly form of brain surgery first developed. A common theory holds that in may have been some form of tribal ritual or even a method of releasing evil spirits believed to process the sick and the mentally ill. <laughs> Sorry, I'll keep going. <laughs> you gave me that really mom look. Still others argue that it was more conventional surgery used to treat epilepsy, headaches, ab- um, Abscess and blood clots. Trepanned skulls found in Peru hint that it was also a common emergency treatment for cleaning out bone fragments left behind by skull fractures. And evidence shows that many of the patients survived the surgery. Wow. Neat. Animal dung ointments. Yeah. The whole reason why we're doing this segment. The ancient Egyptians had a remarkably well-organized medical system, complete with doctors who specialized in healing specific ailments. Nevertheless, the cures they prescribed weren't always up to snuff. Lizard blood, dead mice, mud, and moldy bread were all used as topical ointments and dressings. And women were sometimes doused with horse saliva as a cure for an impaired libido. So bitch ain't giving up any sex. Guess what? She gonna get a glass full of horse spit where she's putting that i have no i have no clue I don't know either. <laughs> she was doused <laughs> i guess they threw her on they threw it all over her <laughs> most disgusting of all egyptian physicians used human and animal excrements as a cure-all remedy for diseases and injuries according to the 1500 bc's ebers Papyrus, donkey, dog, gazelle, and fly dung were all celebrated for their healing properties and their ability to ward off bad spirits. Wow. Yeah. While these repugnant remedies may have occasionally led to... What is that? Is that tetanus? Yeah. (laughs) And other infections, they probably weren't entirely ineffective. Researchers show that microflora found in some types of animal dung contain antibiotic substances, which is more than likely why in India they're doing that with the cow dung. Yeah. But they really look up to cows over there. Right? I think so. I want to say. Yeah. It's still gross. I had, they had actually showed it. This man had a bucket in front of him and it looked like they kind of diluted the poop because it was like really creamy and he was just like, just putting it on his skin like his lotion. I'm like, ooh. I can smell it through the Facebook video. Uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. Uh, cannibal cures. Just eat somebody and you'll be cured. Oh, wow. 
Suffering from persistent headaches, muscle cramps, or stomach ulcers? Well, once upon a time, your local physician may have prescribed an elixir containing human flesh, blood, or bone. So-called corpse medicine was a disturbingly common practice for hundreds of years. Wow, hundreds of years. Wow. <laughs> they did this shit for centuries. <laughs> the Romans believed that the blood of the fallen gladiators could cure epilepsy. And 12th century uh, apothecaries... Apothecary... Apothecary... <laughs> My tongue is like, no, stop it. No. We're known for keeping a stock of mummy powder. A macabre extract made from ground-up mummies looted from Egypt. Meanwhile, in the 17th century, England, King Charles II was known for enjoying a draught of King's Drops, a restorative brew made from crumbled human skull and alcohol. The man knew how to drink. What can I say? Yeah. <laughs> These cannibalistic medicines were thought to have magical properties by consuming the remains of a deceased person. The patient also ingested part of their spirit, leading to increased vitality and well-being. The type of cure prescribed usually corresponded to the type of ailment. Skull was used for migraines and human fat for muscle aches. But getting fresh stock could be a gruesome process. In some cases, the sickly would even attend executions in the hope of getting a cheap cup of freshly killed person's blood. You ready for a hanging? I need to go get some, uh, yeah, I need some bone fragments. I got a headache. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yay, day out with mommy. Yeah. <laughs> The wandering womb. All right. So ancient Greek doctors believed that a woman's womb was a separate creature with a mind of its own. I want to I wanna fucking party with these people. What the hell are they doing? I don't know what the hell they're on. The thing is growing inside of you. It lives. <laughs> According to the writings of Plato and Hippocratics. I don't know. When a woman was celibate for an extended time, her uterus described as a living animal eager to bear children. <laughs> I can't make this shit up. All right, so she didn't have any sex. Her uterus was like, you know what, bitch? I'm going to do it for you. <laughs> oh, Virgin Mary. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so it was eager to bear children, could dislodge and glide freely about her body oh, causing suffocation, seizures, and hysteria. This curious diagnosis endured in some of some form into the time of the Romans and the what what is that? Byzantines? Byzantines? Byzantines. That sounds Byzantines. Yeah. So, um well after doctors had learned that the womb was held in place by ligaments. To prevent their wombs from going on a walkabout, ancient women were counseled to marry young and bear as many children as possible. <gasps> For a womb that had already broken free, doctors prescribed a therapeutic baths, <gasps> infusions, and physical massages to try to force it back into position. They might even fumigate the patient's head with sulfur and pitch while simultaneously rubbing pleasant-smelling lotions between her thighs. <gasps> the logic between that the womb would flee from the bad smells and move back into its rightful place. I don't know. I haven't had kids in like 14 years. My womb done left me. <laughs> she, left she travels, she's traveling the world right now. She's like, you know what? Fuck y'all. I, I want to go live my life. If I find some babies, I will bear some. But other than that, I'm out. Y'all too boring. 
wandering womb. That's that's a new one. Babylonian skull skull cure. For the ancient Babylonians, most illnesses were thought to be the result of demonic forces or punishment by the gods for past misdeeds. Doctors often had more in common with priests and exorcists than the modern physicians, and their cures usually involved some component of magic. For example, if a patient ground their teeth, the healer might suspect that the ghost of a deceased family member was trying to contact them as they slept. According to ancient necromantic texts, the doctor would recommend sleeping by a human skull for a week as a way of exercising the spirit. To ensure this disturbing treatment worked, the tooth grinder was also instructed to kiss and lick the skull seven times each night. Fuck. Yup. Babylonian skull cure. Wow. You know, I told Ariana that once she decides to do power of attorney, she can do my uh, my funeral arrangements as well. She is allowed to keep my skull once I die. Oh, yeah. You guys told me about that. Yeah. She said she's going to put rubies in between my <laughs> Nice. I'm gonna tell her about the babble, the babble, the skull. Cure. I can't say the word. Babylonian, the Babylonian. Maybe she'll lick my skull seven times. Maybe. <laughs> well, those were weird ailments back in the day that believed that you know that they worked. What yeah. do you think? What did you think? What the hell were they on back then? I don't know, but whatever the hell they were on, I want to be on that with them. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be crazy, rolling around in the mud, being Whoa. like, oh my god. You tell me the if I show a banana up my ass, I'll I'll become a dragon. Yeah, I, I just got a postcard from my womb the other day. She's doing great. Wow, that's yeah. nice. Yeah, she's getting more. Uh, she's living more life than I am. Wow. She hasn't eaten anybody so far. That's good. That's good. Yeah. That's good. I told her. I said, "Don't hold back." She's like, "Oh, I'm not. I'm waiting for that dinner though." <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you guys ever so much for listening to. This segment today, if you will go ahead and like, follow, subscribe, share, do all that good stuff. And uh, we'll talk to you on the next one. Thanks. Bye. Bye.